To the OTP, the official Titans podcast. It is officially the Mac and 3 version of the OTP, which means that Amy Wells is here. Hello, Mike. Jim White from TitansOnline.com is here. Present. And Titans Radio's Dave McGinnis is here. He hey, is Mike the Mac. Keith. Hey, Mike Keith, thank you. Of Mac the and Mac. 3, I couldn't be, could not be more proud. All right. Preseason coming to an end. I want to hit you guys with something that I just found on the way down here. Arthur Blank owns the Atlanta Falcons. Yep. Talked to ESPN actually not long ago, I think earlier today. It's Arthur Blank on the preseason. I think four games is not necessary. We need some preseason games for talent evaluation for sure with our first and second year players and developmental players, players who are free agents coming into our scheme. The vets need some of that, but not a whole lot of it. So I think we can do it with less preseason games. I think the world of the NFL would be a happier place from all perspectives, end quote. That's Arthur Blank. Uh, Dave McGinnis, Arthur Blank is a pretty influential owner. Well, he's an owner. He's Yeah, but, I mean, he's also one who speaks on a lot of issues and on committees and things of that sort. So – the fact that he's talking to ESPN and has said this publicly, what we have believed to be the case for some time among ownership, is that an indication that ownership is – is that a, a trial balloon that ownership is pushing to shorten the preseason? Or does it mean anything? Well, it means something. Okay. It, it absolutely means something. And, and, again, not to belabor the point, I've been a head coach. I've been in meetings where it's just been the head coaches and the owners. And when one owner speaks, it's normally, I mean, that's a very tight group. I mean, that's a very tight group. It's a very exclusive group. And, you know, very seldom does somebody go out and maverick on their own. I have no idea what the background of this is, but clearly uh, he feels very strongly about it. And I would be surprised if others don't feel strongly about it. All right, let's take it from another perspective. Jim White, you've covered this league for a long time. You hear something like that. From a reporter's point of view, what do you think? Well, I mean, it's it's kind of music to my ears, to be honest with you, because I think <laughs> but, but it's, the question is, is how do you get there? Because you can't just drop two preseason games and have a two-game, 16-game season. I just don't think that's ever going to fly. You have to add two regular season and tell, games And tell people work. why you believe that, why I, you can't I, go 16-2. and two. I think from a financial standpoint, you know, you're giving back so much money, you know, the owners, as, you know, as well as the players, giving back so much money to play in two less games. And the, and the gate that you're going to get from having an additional home game uh, on your schedule. Uh, the league's changed so much over the years. I mean, Coach Mack knows this far better than I do because he's been around the game for so long. I mean, just since I've been around – you know, the the way these games are played and you're trying to build your players up to get ready for, like, the dress rehearsal in the third preseason game, that's not even happening anymore. Guys are now playing less and less snaps. The fourth preseason game is is pretty much all for backups. I think the evaluation is over at that point. You're ready to make roster moves, but you, you still have to find a way to get through these games. And you see a guy like Lamar Miller get hurt, and it reminds everybody of what you can lose in the preseason. So – I'd I'd love to see a situation where it's knocked down to two preseason games. I just I guess I'll 
believe it when I see it just because I'm curious to see how it's going to work. What do you take from the fact that a prominent owner says this in an interview? I think he's probably had conversations with other owners, and he's not on an island uh, by making a comment like that. Amy Wells, you've been in the league for nine years. You've been around NFL meetings. You've been to owners' meetings. When you hear something like that, how does it strike you? It doesn't really move the needle that much. I think that this is a conversation that has been going on for a while. Every owner's meetings, there's something on the itinerary that's addressing the preseason, talking about whether or not they're going to change it, how they're going to rework it. I feel like this is a conversation that's been happening for a while. I agree with Jim Wyatt. It's how do you transition out of the current model into something different without losing that revenue, sacrificing a lot of the evaluation period and some of the things that you still need. I think that there is a desire across the league in a variety of different capacities to change the way the preseason looks. I think that now the hurdle is figuring out how to get there. But, I mean, having an owner, even a prominent owner like Arthur Blank, talk about how he wants to see a change to the preseason, it's something that has been floating around the league for a while, in my opinion. Well, I think Amy's absolutely right. I mean that this has been floated out there, and 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 it is, is going to be, and and Jim's a- absolutely correct too. It's going to be about the financial aspect of it. That's what it is. Whether you add two more playoff games, which is more television revenue, whether you put two open dates, which now you've got eighteen weeks of football on television. You know, all of that stuff is all of that stuff is real because you got you, you realize this too in the in the in the current format that, that we're doing. You know. Players are not paid their salary in postseason games. You know, players are paid a bonus, a, a, a bonus. And so, and I, I don't know what the numbers are as far as television revenue, how that divides up, when the next, when the next negotiations are up. But the money aspect of it is going to control all of it. Not all of it, major part of it. I think the next TV dis- discussion is a year after the CBA gets done. Mm-hmm. So it would seem like, if I'm not mistaken, it's 2022. So you would need to get with the players, the ownership and the players, figure out what everybody's going to be for, get the new CBA in place, and then attack your TV next, knowing what everybody will have agreed to do at that point. I think you're you're 100% right, and, and what everybody would be for. Because, again, when they get into those meetings with the CBA – I mean, I've been through I've been through two work stoppages in this league in my time in this league, and it's always about the pot of money mm-hmm. and how it's divided up. So, to know what you would go through, what's the pot going to be first? That's going to be first and foremost. If there's anything about this that moves the needle for me personally, it's the timing of it, given that the CBA is about to expire and they're having talks. Exactly. So the fact that this is already going on, the players union is starting to siphon through some of the things that they want to change in the new agreement. I think that that is a little bit interesting and that that could maybe expedite some of these conversations about what we want to look like going forward. But if you're adding more games that matter, the players' union is going to have a lot to say about that and a lot of different things to negotiate in terms of compensation and health and safety and all of that kind of stuff because it's going to be more wear and tear on their bodies. So I think that now is a time that they're going to start talking about these things a little more seriously maybe, but it's going to be a while before I think we see any real changes. 
Yeah, and from an evaluation standpoint, I mean, you lose two preseason games, but I think what teams are going to, and we've seen it throughout the league, is you practice against one another, just like the practice against the Patriots. I think that was a fun week, and it was a great week to evaluate your players against some other uh, players from another team. Just do that a couple of times during the preseason uh, or during training camp, and I think you're going to get more than you would during a preseason game, to be honest with you. Tell you what's jumped out to me, so – the fact that Arthur Blank would come out and be this direct, I don't think it means something is imminent, but I think it's interesting that he would choose to do this because normally ownership has bobbed and weaved about being specific. They've said, well, we know we need to change something, but he was somewhat specific, so I, I think that's interesting. The other thing that's interesting to me too, Jim, is several national media folks, prominent people, have started to soften their stance about an expanded regular season and a shortened preseason, which oftentimes tells you that they hear something is going on because they're like everybody else. They don't want to be wrong. When it all comes down, they they want to have been in a position where they are talking, no matter what their personal, you know, the hard and fast, no way in hell this is happening and all. You're you're not hearing all that the same way you were. Even some of the quote-unquote hardliners about it seem to have softened. Well, that's an interesting observation because that is what people do in the media when, when they've had uh, people in their ear a little bit. Uh, they do soften their stance because they, they want to be on the right side of that. Sure. Uh, and they don't want to dig in and end up being wrong. So. The uh, question is, who are they talking to and how much clout do those people have? Well, it's funny. i give you an example in my own life. So I, I'm doing a talk show in the summer of 1993, and I went on the radio and I said, there is no possible way that Peyton Manning is going to pick the University of Tennessee. There is no chance. His father hated Tennessee. Everybody associated with him hated Tennessee. I said, there is no possible way. Get off the air at. Seven o'clock, the hotline rings in our office, and it is a coach on the University of Tennessee staff who says, big boy, you're right a lot of times, you do a pretty good job, but you might want to back off that one, because if you don't, you're going to sound like an idiot. We're in this thing. Well, I mean, you know what history is. So, <laughs> so yeah, I was on. The, I, I said in 1993, I said there's no way they get him. In 1994, they get him. So when somebody gives you a hint like that, when they tell you you're going wrong, sometimes you will slow down. No, no doubt. I have. It. Yeah. I mean, I, I bet Jim probably has. Yeah, I mean, some... as a reporter, you you just don't want to be embarrassed. You know? Sure. And and when you a lot of times you have conversations with coaches or sources or people that kind of look out for, you, hey, just don't let me look dumb on this. Right. And they'll get, and not that you can use the information all mm-hmm. the time, but at least you have some background where you're not going down the wrong road uh, on things. So that's an interesting observation by you, because I, I have not necessarily noticed some of the bigger wigs kind of changing their stance a little bit or softening their stance, and that is potentially a sign that maybe there's a well, maybe they're he- maybe they're hearing things. Yeah, maybe not, but we'll see. No, I mean that's a very valid point, and I mean you're, I mean both of you are way tuned into, you know the the media side of it. I know from the coach's side of it, when all this stuff talks, you hear a lot of things, and the and the best axiom for a you know for a coach in this league, a head coach particularly, because what you say makes a difference. People are going to pick up on that. I mean, is keep your powder dry. 
keep your powder dry and you can talk to your owner you can talk but until you're you're really ready now and i agree with what you're saying mike this is a statement this is a very succinct statement by an owner by an owner of a club one owner one owner mm-hmm. one owner That's of a club all. one owner of a club but your other observations uh, the longer you're in this league and we've got a lot of experience sitting here at this fireball table i mean we really do i mean in the nfl uh, you learn how to read the tea leaves a little bit about what goes on in this league. How much will ownership ask their coaches and their GMs what they think about the possible breakdown of future schedules? They'll ask them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they'll ask them. They'll ask. They'll, they'll they'll ask their input. The coaches won't make the final decision. You never do. I mean, again, as I say, they but they will ask their input. Absolutely, they will. They won't. It won't just be dogmatic. This is what we're doing. So, not to interrupt, but so Robert Kraft will go to Bill Belichick and say something. And, and again, hypothetical, we'll say something like, "What will be the ramifications of this? What things do we need to put in place as we get into these discussions?" Sure. Because he and his son, when they're in these meetings, will want to be as informed as possible about safety issues and things of this or sort. may you know bill belichick may be on that committee he's right. on a lot of them i mean and that's that, that that's what happens i mean there's there amy's been a lot of all, all of us have been to league meetings but you know that there, there are meetings that are planned but then there are a lot of sub meetings that go around the you know during the course of those three and a half days and so there will be a lot of discussion on this. It won't just be one select group making a huge decision like this. Well, that's why I'm asking you because I've I've actually never been, so I don't know. Mike's a little salty about no, it. No, no, but I mean, I don't <laughs> I don't know how it goes. Well, that's that why. is how it goes. I mean, there yeah. and, and these. I mean, I've been involved in it, and where you go into rooms, and I've been, and as a coach, you as a head coach, you can make your your recommendations, but then the owners are going to make the decisions. Okay, so we go to the fourth preseason game. Titans and the Bears, and it's a situation where it's Thursday night. The Bears open the regular season a week from Thursday against the Packers. Hundredth year, two oldest franchises in the NFL go head-to-head. be awesome. Great idea. That is a great idea. It's, it's a great idea. But I love it. It kind of ends any speculation about what the Bears will do in this preseason game. Well, Nagy's already said what they're going to do. He did? Yeah. All right. They're not playing their guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. so, he was, so he was pretty straight up about it. Yes. Good. Well, that's pretty much standard practice Coach all Mac over the Coach Mack breaking place. news on the OTP. Well, but, but the bottom line is. OTP is a news breaker. It is. It can be. And the Mac and three. It can, it can be a news breaker. But the point is this is the battle for the end of the roster. Yeah, that's very important. Very important. Look, don't. Don't ever think, and I know you guys don't, and I know our listeners don't either. Don't ever think that what goes on on a National Football League field, whether it's in preseason or whether it's in practice, doesn't matter. It all matters. It matters a lot what goes on there. Now, what counts sometimes toward the standings is different, but it matters a lot. It matters a lot to the individuals making decisions, and it matters a lot to the people out there trying to get on a football team. That's where I, 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 I do not subscribe at all when people say, well, there's no reason to watch. Well, there's a real reason to watch if you know how football teams put together and you really want to take a deep dive into what's going on. And, I mean, all you've got to do, if you think it doesn't matter, you talk to all of the pro personnel departments in these 32 clubs right now as to how long they've been in a bunker watching all of this stuff. I mean, this is extremely, extremely important. And preseason games are important whenever you play. Now, you may, you know, 
you, your evaluation is taking place constantly, and, and you've got time to fix or to rework things that you've done. But it's a different perspective in a preseason game, but it still matters. Everything matters when you get on the field in the National Football League. I promise you. Yeah, I mean, it's a chance to get seen. I, mean, I think the re- reality is the Titans have 53 roster spots. Probably 51 of them have been made by now, maybe 52. Uh, but you've got guys that are playing. You, you have injuries in the preseason that affect that. You watch other games. You know, the Titans are going to see a lot of the Bears reserves playing in this game. And when you're starting to shuffle your roster and the pro personnel guys across the league are looking at the Titans-Bears game just like they're looking at all the other games across the league, they can see a guy that will get their attention that you could potentially swap out on your roster. Practice squad spots are up for grabs. So there's something to play for. Now, will the starters play in this game? Are the Bears not playing theirs? I don't expect the Titans to play. Uh, you know, the front-line guys, especially – guys that have any kind of injury that could uh, set them back going into the regular season. So uh, the focus is is on the Browns, uh, but also with an eye on the Bears and giving young guys an opportunity. I think what's it's extremely important, and I promise you right now upstairs, in, in Ryan Cowden and his group in that big room they've got, they have got a board spread with these guys throughout the league that they think may be available maybe on the cusp, and they've got them graded. They've got them graded A, B, C, and D, and they've got them graded priority-wise, and they've got them graded likely, highly unlikely, questionable, maybe will come, you know, be available. They've been doing this all season, and what has happened, guys, see, used to be when you made that 75 cut, you remember, that gave them a little bit of line of demarcation. Then they could sift through that first group pretty easy, and then they could really narrow it down. Now, when you've got, you're going to 90 to the end, they've got to sift through all of that, and that's what they're doing right now. I mean, that, I, I promise you that wall's full of names and rankings. They, they've had this stuff graded all preseason, and it's going on right now. They're even digging it more right now because, and and you say there's you know there's 51 or 52 spots left. I don't think there's that many. I really don't. I think there'll be, I think there's some more open spots because there's just too many other players out there. See, I have right now. So I went through the the roster today, and I came up with 47 players that I am sure will be here now. Certainly can be wrong. Been wrong already on this show three times. But <laughs> I've got I got forty seven that I feel really good about. Do I think the other six necessarily come from who's there? I don't know. I, I mean, I I don't know. But I I think that I see forty seven guys that I feel like they've probably decided about, and then I see six spots that could go to a guy on the current roster. Or that could go to somebody via via waiver claim, a veteran free agent, or even, and less likely, a trade because the Titans have already traded their fourth round pick for 2020. So, Amy, what do you think? 47 well, too high? No, I is think. Is that about your number, Coach? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It is. I think 47 is pretty accurate. Um, but I think that that's what makes the fourth preseason game so compelling. You're never going to see more effort in a football game than you will in a fourth preseason game. It's the best game. football. It's the best of, game to watch. Of the four, it's the best football because all the same guys are going to be on the field for the whole game. Mm-hmm. They're playing for their lives. And and in certain cases, the, the part of it that gets left out is there are dudes who will exit that locker room who know 
They know I will never play tackle football again the rest of my life. And so they are laying it all out there. And because there's not the mass substitution, because these guys know they're not coming out, listen, it's not Tom Brady against Peyton Manning. I get it. But in terms of just good football, it's a it's generally the best preseason game to watch. It absolutely is, and there are guys who are very aware of those six available spots and those empty places where they could fill. So they want to give everything they can, right. show that they have improved and taken the coaching. They want to do everything that they can to either convince this staff or convince any other staff in the league that there is a place for them. So they are going to do everything they possibly can to get something on film that moves the needle even an inch, just a little bit, to get them on a roster somewhere. So that that desperation makes for good football, you know? It does. I've been in 31 pregame locker rooms with the fourth preseason game and seen those guys sitting at their locker knowing that this next three and a half hours – may determine not only their football future, but their future. And believe me, it's it's real. And it's it is so that's why I have never adhered to the talk that it doesn't matter. You talk you want to sit and look at those dudes' eyes when they're sitting there getting ready for a ball game, that fourth one matters a lot. And and I think one the other thing you look for in the fourth preseason game is you can get some clues about who may be in trouble. Uh because if a, a guy that you had maybe assumed was going to make a roster, not just here, but across the league, if you've got guys playing in some of these fourth preseason games that maybe people thought were safe, maybe an indication that that guy is not as safe as you think he is. Right. Uh, That's a great point. Because uh, a lot of times you know, you'll see – there's going to be a long list of DNPs uh, on Thursday night, but there will also be some guys you maybe would expect to be a DNP that's not, and uh, – those are guys you keep an eye on as well. Let me expound on that a little bit, and, and, and you can a little bit, but don't read a lot into that because sometimes there are some positions where you're going to have to have guys that you know you're going to play with. They've got to play because of numbers. Now, that now that has that has been lessened by the fact that you're now cutting at 90 rather than from, from 90 to 75 to 53. That's a point. That's a point. But it, if you see some guys in there that you that you think, oh, I thought this guy had this made, it may not necessarily be because he doesn't have it made. It may be because they need the numbers to get through the game. And they want to see some guys on special teams too. Oh, my goodness. Desperately, I mean, they want to see if they can play other positions or play multiple positions, and they want to see what they do on teams because they're thinking to themselves, if we keep Joe Smith – can he be part of the 46 on Sunday because he can play special teams or is he automatically an inactive? And if that's the case, we may not keep him. We may keep a guy at another position who can play teams. That's taking a deeper dive into it, and you are 100% right. I've been in those discussions for years. Jim, let me ask you this. Do you have – we always say there's always a guy who makes the football team in the fourth preseason game. And, I mean, there are countless. Do you have a favorite story? I mean, I, the most interesting one to me is probably Logan Woodside, who's going to play in this preseason yeah. game, and just whether or not you keep him or not. I think he's done enough here that if he get, got released by this team, that there's a very good chance that somebody else is going to pick him up. And 
I think with another show, strong showing in Chicago, I think he solidifies his spot somewhere. Do you have a favorite story in covering the team through the years of a guy making it in the fourth preseason game? I'm trying to think. Uh, I've got a couple. You don't remember John Simon? I don't. 2002, little mm-hmm. little running yep. back who, who made the team seemingly out of nowhere, just would not go away. One of those guys who played so well in the preseason that they couldn't – we didn't even know who he was when he got here. He was – you know, he was part of that list of 800 guys. And in those days, the Titans had more undrafted free agents than they do now because the Titans had so much salary cap trouble that they would have the draft picks, but they couldn't do a lot in free a- in veteran free agency because they had no money. So there were – Floyd Reese some years had 30 undrafteds in, in camp. So, I mean, you didn't know any of these guys – they're in so much better cap space. As a matter of fact, there was a report out today that the Titans are fifth in available cap space right now with with plenty of room. So that, that's a blessing and a change. But in those days, it didn't happen. Brad Castle is another guy who was like that. <laughs> that that's Brad that's, Castle, that's one story. of my all-time favorite Titans. That who, story. I mean, I, I coached that dude for his whole career here. His story was so unique. He got here on a lie. Yes. He got here on a lie. What did he lie about? Well, he, he didn't, didn't lie. lie. He said oh. Long snap, did he? He didn't lie. He didn't lie. Seal Bricado lied. Yeah. Seal Bricado. <laughs> and did, Seal, he, did he not know Seal, or did he lie? He lied. Okay. Seal, Seal carried a big stick here. All right. Okay? Let's, let's he set liked up, him. Go ahead. Let's set up who Seal Bricado <laughs> is, first of all. Oh, my gosh. Because yes. there are some people who are listening to the okay. OTP who don't know. So explain. Seal Bricado at one point was a potential nominee for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Absolutely. He was on and, the list. And rightfully so. Why? Rightfully so. The C.O. Bricado, look, all those drills that you see at the at the Combine nowadays, C.O. CO started the three-cone drill. C.O. Bricado was legendary. C.O. Bricado recruited me in high school, okay? And C.O. Bricado coached at the University of Texas at Arlington when they still had a football team. He recruited a guy out of my high school, Billy Stewart. I mean, you can get me. I can get a deep dive into CO, CO, and then when he started working for the for the uh, Oilers and it would come through TCU, then when I graduated, I was handling the 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 coach uh, the scouts that came through. CO is legendary and rightfully so. I mean, in the anytime you went to a, a school workout and CO was there, guess who was running it? CO. You could have had every head coach and general manager in the league there. CO ran it. One of all the right? greatest scouts of all time. One of the greatest scouts of all time. Let's just get that straight. Okay. But CO, you know, his his he had a way about him. His free agents. He knew Brad Castle couldn't run out of sight in a week. All right. He knew that. <laughs> but Brad was not fast, Amy. <laughs> That's what it not, sounds like. He was not quick. But 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 Brad Castle was as tough as mesquite wood. Now I mean he was just you couldn't break him, and Co loved him as a player, but he had no way to sell him to get him in here because of his speed. He made every tackle at North Texas. You know he he and he had that, but we already had guys that could run. And if he brought you know bring a guy in here that ran four nine five five flat, people were going to say no. He said you know what, we ought to bring him in here and give him a look because he can long snap too. So Castle comes in here and said, and Alan Lowry goes, all right, Brad, why don't you come over here and snap? And Castle went, why? And he said, well, we need a little snapper. You snapped at North Texas, right? No, I never snapped. <laughs> and so, that's well, then he asked him, you, you snapped in high school, right? He goes, he said, no, I was a quarterback. I was a quarterback. Yeah, he said, why would I snap? But he got him into camp, and when you got him into camp, 
to Mike's story, you couldn't get him out. He started cracking guys' chin straps oh. in the offensive line, and the offensive linemen wanted to kill him. They, and they, I'm talking about the first string guys in camp. They wanted to finish him. They did things to him, and every time they tried, they came out on the worst end. It was, I mean, you talk about violence in, in an era. It was wild, and he, he had a cut yeah, at the top that. of his nose every day. He had blood streaming down his nose. He made every tackle. He took on every offensive lineman. He was not scared of anything. The only guy I can compare him to, it's like if you're a wrestling fan or you're a fan of pop culture and you know Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold, dude. He – Brad Castle is, probably still is, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I love Brad Castle. You know who loved Brad Castle on our team? Keith Bullock. Keith Bullock. He loved Brad Castle. Brad Castle was so tough. The last game we ever played out here with Brad Castle, if you'll remember, out here against Detroit to finish the season, 19 tackles. 19 tackles. He had 19 tackles, and, uh, and, and after we got through watching the film as a group, Jim Schwartz shut it down and went, that's one of the best performances I've ever seen. And he got carried out of the defensive meeting room on the team's shoulders. I think they have an interception. <laughs> they love, had an interception yeah, they love maybe Brad Castle. That game. I love Brad Castle. Brad Castle made a million dollars from that game. Yes, he did, and he should he have. He got a million-dollar contract the next year. to. I guess he had like a six- or seven-year NFL contract. Couldn't run 4-8. No chance. No way. I do think, if I, my memory's right, he had an interception that sealed the yeah. game. And as a result of that win, it put the Titans in a position to make a draft pick the following year. Yes. They would have picked second had they lost the game. Yes. And instead they picked sixth, and they took Pac-Man Jones. Pac-Man Jones. Mm. When they could have taken Aaron Rodgers. And that was the Cedric Benson draft, if I'm not it mistaken. Was. Just passed uh, away. Yes. I don't know if this ended his career, but um, he – and he was as tough as guys you can ever imagine, but he I think he tore his Achilles. Yeah, well, a, that's another story. You know, he tore his Achilles at a family picnic. Yeah, Fourth right? of July picnic down there in Texas where I've been to a few of those too down there in the part of Texas he's from. I mean, it's not – they're not having grape Kool-Aid. It's, it's <laughs> impossible so, they were drinking some adult so, beverages. So, <laughs> so, I mean, he, he had a cement – of course, they made they made their picnic table out of cement because, of course, you do in West in Texas. Of course. And of course you do. They made sure. it out of cement, and the bench was sitting on two – I mean, he told me the whole story. And, he, and, and his one of his uncles was sitting on the end of the bench and got up, and the thing tipped, and the whole cement thing came down and severed his Achilles. And he didn't tell anybody. And came into camp and couldn't move at all. And I, I could talk about Castle forever. I but love the, him. But the Brad Castles of the world and the John <laughs> yeah. Simons of the world are why you love the fourth preseason yes. game. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because there's going to be somebody going like a wild man Thursday night at Soldier Field. There will be somebody who will be making it happen, either for the Bears or the Titans, or there'll be a player for both. Absolutely right. I've got a lot of them during my career. And right. you can play your way off of it, too. I know if it was, Ooh, yeah. Darren, it was, was who was the returner's name? Was it Darren? Uh, Darren Hall. Darren Hall. Was a draft pick from Colorado State. A couple of, uh, yeah. botched a couple of punt uh, returns. They drafted him just to return punts, and he uh, – yeah, he cut, he was a draft pick in a time where they never cut draft picks, and they cut him. The only other draft pick I remember them cutting in the year or where I was here is they cut a guy named Brad Ware mm-hmm. out of Auburn, who was a safety from Auburn. He was a fourth round pick, and uh, otherwise it just it almost never happened because those guys had to make the team due to the fact that the Titans didn't have any extra money. 
this is the kind of insights you can get on no other podcast. Well, people have Truth. turned off by now, I'm sure. No, Here's the thing about the fourth preseason, though. We Go. have romanticized it. It is beautiful. I think everyone should watch it and be so excited about it. But if there are 500 penalties in this game, Lord help me. I don't think there are generally. They've. I mean, everybody's got a plane to catch. I'm just telling you. I'm putting the over under two hours and 42 minutes. Yes. Yeah, okay. I can't say that because I remember the fourth preseason game in 2003 at Green Bay. Oh. <laughs> with the with the two hour 47 what? minute. I can't believe that. Well, one. that was the rain delay. <laughs> Can we you not? weren't here yet. You were still in Arizona. <laughs> no, but I got the aftermath of it yeah. because, you know, go ahead with your story. Uh, who got hurt? Rocky Calmus. Rocky Calmus. Yeah, and, and it was so bad because they couldn't get a hold of Paul Tagliabue. It happened right at the end of the first half because when the two-hour, 47-minute delay ended, we came back, played one play, and went to the two-minute warning. <sighs> this upsets me. The locker room? They did halftime. Yeah, they did the halftime. And so then came back and – That's when Calma snapped his ham. He, he snapped his hamstring covering a punt after the – Yeah, where, Wait, was where the was the commissioner? At, at, supposedly in the Hamptons. And they could not get a hold of him. I would drive to the Hamptons well, from and, Wisconsin. And he, once they found him, he came back and made the comment that it was about the integrity of the game. And it was like, look, it's the fourth preseason game. We've played a half. You know, I mean, we everybody got it. The crowd left. Mm-hmm. The, the Green Bay crowd said goodnight. I mean, there weren't. 5,000 people there for the end of the game. And he lost a player. And lost a player. He was never the same. Never the same after that. And it was really it was really kind of a sad deal. So I, I, I'm all for the over and under, but I'm knocking on wood. I'm knocking on my head. I'm Yeah, I'm not looking for anything of that. The forecast has Beautiful. clear skies. Yep. Mm-hmm. Beautiful in Chicago. Nice night. For a little Giordano. We're there, too. Yeah, Giordano. We are pizza. all over that, yeah. too. Yep. You got to do that. All right. One last thing before we go. Why are so many people calling us, asking us about our thoughts on the Andrew Luck retirement? Well, because we play them twice I, a year. I get that, but I, I mean, it's like you still have to beat the Colts. I mean, I understand it's a big deal. Well, also because it's crazy. It's, it is crazy. It was the most bananas thing. I, I got the announcement on my phone and just the ESPN alert. I stood on my couch at my house and announced it to everyone in my home. It was that big of a deal. Was I was that surprised. I was actually in my kitchen when my phone went off, and it said, and I thought I was being punked. Yeah, I thought somebody's come up and figured out how to do the ESPN alert, and I mean, I didn't believe it. But at the same time, I mean, we played Jacoby Brissett two years ago. Had a hard time with him both times. I mean, neither win was – and that Colts team wasn't nearly as good as this Colts team is. I mean, it's like, okay, I I get that he's gone, and I get that the Titans had never beaten him, but, man, there's still plenty of heavy lifting to do. you you got to beat the team. Right. you got to beat that team, and you you got to not think about that team until you go beat Cleveland. Right. That's that's the real story. Yeah. That's the real real story, and and we can – this has already been talked about, but my phone completely blown. I'm still getting asked questions about it, but it's not that. Un- if you look back, I mean, it's un- it's unusual, but it's not. If you start really looking at guys that have retired, right? You know, some of the guys that have, have taken it back, and he's he had good reasons for it. Jim Brown, Barry mm-hmm. Sanders. I mean, guys of Robert that. Smith. Robert Smith. Yeah, Robert Smith. Patrick Willis. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, just names that people recognize real quick. And here's here's another thought on it, and then I'll just let this go. But you've got a guy that's that thoughtful, and he understands. And you know, and people are are, are aghast at him being able to walk away from that much money. But he's already made nearly a hundred million dollars. He'll be fine. And as smart as he is and what he's done. So it makes it a lot easier to make that decision when you're basing it off of your body and how you feel. And, I mean, because, I mean, you know, when you're financially set for the rest of your life and probably for generations of your life, it's then you can take into account a lot of things. Well, and I think to your point, Mike, about how everyone is asking us about this, in this region, There's a lot. I mean, it's a close proximity. There's a lot of crossover. There are a lot of Tennessee fans who are Peyton fans who went to Indy and now are Titans fans. There's a lot of mixing of just the people there. But and so the impact that Andrew Luck had on that fan base is big, like Peyton Manning big. I mean, he was their hero. He was the savior. He was the guy. I text it's not a secret. I spent a year in Indianapolis with the Colts. So I text some people who I know up there. And the response that I got at 2 o'clock in the morning after Andrew Luck announced it was shocking, stunning. I'm absolutely speechless. It was that big of a deal. It was earth shattering is what somebody said. Like it was it just changed the entire outlook on their season and their franchise for that fan base. So with so many people here who are residual Colts fans and once were Colts fans and now don't really know, I get it. I understand how big of a deal that is because, I mean, think about it. If Marcus Mariota just told us, hey, guys, I think I'm done, I understand the gravity of that I get it, but my, but my point is, and while it changes the dynamic for the Tennessee Titans to whatever extent, there are people at like, well, that's two wins. No, it's not. No. Yeah, I mean, the stuff I, I've been getting is all. I mean, it's Twitter. like, it, boy, it's just, oh, this. Yeah, and it's yeah like, no. This, I mean, it's kind of like the people who are on him for quitting when he did and things. And, and there have been thoughtful people. Steve Berline has been thoughtful in his. He has criticized him for when he retired. And Steve Berline makes the point it's not personal. He's it's Steve Berline's a fan. But Steve Berline was a quarterback in the league, and okay, that's fine. Some people, just this hot take thing just doesn't... Well, but how much is going to help the Titans? It's not going to help the Titans. It's not going to help the Titans block Miles Garrett in Cleveland. It's not going to help the Titans when they face Patrick Mahomes. It's not going to help the Titans at all. I mean, obviously, the Colts, without Andrew Luck, are not going to be as strong as a team. At least you wouldn't think so. But this is not a Colts team that all of a sudden goes from being projected to finish 12 and 4 to 6 and 10. They've built a great team right. around them, good offensive line, good playmakers. Uh and the Titans have got to take care of the Titans because if you don't take care of your own business, it doesn't matter what they do because you you may be looking up at everybody else. Well, and my point again, this is not the 2017 Colts. Chris Ballard and Frank Reich have done a really nice job with this team. I mean, this can still be a playoff team. Oh, absolutely. And, and and you're doing it with a quarterback that started a whole year for you. Right. All right. I just wanted to bring that up. No, and it It's the, the topic of the week, because Mike. I, under, I think like it I was said, good. I understand why people would be talking about it. I understand what a big deal is, but I, I'm not sure I quite follow why 
it's the end of the world in some people's minds towards the Titans. Maybe I'm missing. You can't help but feel bad for him, too. I mean, he's such oh. a great guy, classic he's a great guy. guy. And his hate press to, conference was total class. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to see a guy is beaten down so much. I mean, when he started in on his NFL career, uh, he didn't envision it ending like this. And to hear him talk like he did and, and just the toll it took on him physically and mentally and to hear Rob Gronkowski come out today just to talk about some of the stuff that he went through leading to his retirement. We all know Jake Locker and just his situation led to an early retirement. So it, it's in some ways it's sad uh, that his career has to end like this. But uh, – wish him the best I mean, he's a classic guy great competitor everybody in that locker room you know had nothing not like people were celebrating him leaving they all respect him and the decision that he made sure final thoughts anyone anyone about we've covered a lot of we've topics. covered a lot of stuff we've talked too long no we haven't talked too long this is the mac and three award-winning OTP. No one has ever given us an award. I've got, got any award in my yet. office. I, I've got four of them. Four oh, OTP with awards. Your names on them. Oh, well, yeah. what in the world? Well, my trophy's bigger, but y'all have got some. <laughs> I tell you, I just want I just want my trophy to be Giordano Pizza. That's all I'm. We're getting that. Yeah, I've we, got the menu on my phone right now. I'm oh. gonna be honest we with you. We are there as a group. Do you like Giordano? I do. Are you gonna go with us? It's, it's right, right around the corner of the That's hotel, isn't it? what we're hearing, yes. Okay. Yeah. And we don't want to tell everybody which hotel because then they'll come bombard you for autographs. And <laughs> maybe it's best if you don't come, Jim. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's best if you don't. Well, uh, Jim White, TitansOnline.com, Amy Wells, the great, the absolute great Dave McGinnis from Titans Radio, all here. I'm Mike Keith. Thanks for joining us for this pre-Chicago edition of the OTP. OTP.